Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're talking about the maturity continuum, how people grow up, get taller, get older, maybe even get smarter, but they don't get more mature. They act the same lifestyle out that they've acted out their entire life, which is to be dependent on someone else out there. Now, we talked about the first step of maturity is to get away from being dependent to being independent. And independency means you have to produce your own income out of your own company, out of your own investments. One of the two, either out of passive investments, out of your own company. Now, there's a book out there that talks about this. It's very good. It's called The E-Myth or The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And Michael Gerber talks about the fact that the E-Myth stands for entrepreneurial myth. People think they're entrepreneurs because they start a paint company because they know how to paint. Or they start any company out of the idea that I could do it for somebody else. Now I'll do it for myself. And just doing it for yourself, going into business for yourself, doesn't mean you are an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs figure out how to create solutions to problems without making it a full-time job for themselves. They create a system around which things work. And that's the difference between being dependent and then being independent, but still dependent upon your job. In other words, you become a slave to the job. Or as I like to say, when you're dependent, you have a job. When you're independent, you may actually own a job. In other words, you own a company, That creates you a job. And many people make no more money with their company than they would doing the job. So I always ask people to do this. You want to figure out if you're successful, stop working in your company. Take whatever it is you do and give it to somebody else to do and pay them to do it. Now what happens? Now the company doesn't make any money. Well, you're not a successful business person, are you? You have to learn to do that. So when I first started buying rent houses, I'd go in and do my own cleaning and painting and stuff. Of course, you think you're saving money, but really you're just doing work. And eventually you learn to give up doing the painting and you give up doing the cleaning and eventually give up doing the, the repairs. And eventually you see that you don't really didn't do much. And then you're just renting them and collecting rent and doing the accounting. And eventually when you buy yourself a small apartment complex, now you have a manager and now you don't even do the renting and you have a maintenance man that does all the maintenance. And then when you get to larger properties, you actually end up hiring bookkeepers and accountants to do the accounting. So you do nothing. So now owning an apartment complex, you actually are independent. You don't work in your business. I always talk about this to have passive income. You have to be able to say to yourself, I looked up the org chart and I have no job on that org chart at all. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. If I went away to work, went out of the state, out of the country, whatever, for vacation for 30 days, I come back, my company will do just as well as I have. What's interesting to me was I started figuring this out about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know. And I started giving away jobs. I first gave away jobs like doing the accounting of my company at Lifestyles. And I gave away all the uh, 
IT stuff first. The IT stuff went first because I don't know how to do that. Then the accounting stuff went. Then the real estate realty stuff went. And just going down the line, I started giving stuff away. I started giving away all the educational materials, creations of, because I'm not a good writer. And then I stopped doing the creations of the materials. And then I last thing I gave up was consulting because I love helping people. But then I gave away the single family consulting. Then I gave away the small multifamily consulting. And then I gave away all the consulting. And you know, each time I gave something away, I lost. I felt terrible that I was giving it away. I mean, one, you feel like you're losing control, but number two, you feel like you're losing the love of being in there, fighting the good fight, right? But all it is is making you a slave. You're working as much, if not harder, owning your own company than you would be out there just having a job. Then I had to eventually start giving away jobs. Like I created a vice presidents of each division. So I didn't have to manage the divisions. And then I finally brought on an executive VP to handle all of the VPs. And basically, I bought myself some freedom. And I've allowed that freedom to grow as I allowed the executive VP to gain more of the operational powers and day-to-day operations. And it's been the best thing that ever happened to the company. See, I didn't say me. It's okay with me, too. But it's the best thing ever happened to the company. Because you can't baby a company and the company grow. There's not enough room for a company to grow under the tutelage of one person. It needs a team. And so the next step in maturity continuum is to move from that independent stage where you're everything. If you want something done right, do it yourself is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You can't trust anybody except yourself. Everybody out there wants to steal from you. All these are things that entrepreneurs believe, independent people believe, but they're wrong. You just don't know how to hire. In fact, I found out very early in life I didn't know how to hire. I started, I let other people hire because they were meaner than I was. I was like, hey, you seem like a nice person, and you're pretty smart. Okay, I'll hire you. Other people go, Dell, you didn't see that person. I, five seconds, I read right through them. I'm like, okay, okay. I don't have that skill set either. I can't hire, et cetera, et cetera. So you get to this last thing called interdependent. And to be interdependent is like I own a company. And when you look on the org chart, I'm not on the org chart. I don't do anything. Now, I have an official name somewhere up there called CEO. Whatever. I've yet to figure out what a CEO is. I'm president and I'm yet to know what a president is because I got an executive VP that does everything. I guess I could give the executive VP the title president. I don't know what that matters. But the bottom line is, is that I've given away all of the day-to-day decisions. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the company. Only the long-term ones, and I hold on to the ethics decisions, 
And not that I'm the one enforcing all the ethics, but I'm the one that says these are our ethics and this is what this company will do. And this is where we're going to grow and this is what our goals are. Those are my job, I guess. But when you look at this, my apartment complexes, I've even got supervisors that do all that. So I've, I've got like eight, nine apartment complexes I'm in. I don't do any of that. In fact, some of them I've never even seen because there's other people doing it all. So there's no need. So when you really get to this level where you're interdependent, now you ask yourself a question. What is the limitation on being independent? We already know the limitation on being dependent. It's whatever your boss wants to pay you, and that's it. But being independent, what's the limitation? Well, there is a limitation. That is, how hard and how long are you willing to work? You, every time you add something new to your company, there's more for you to follow. But when you become interdependent, you can add new divisions without any additional work to you. I've actually added new divisions, and I've added new companies. More and more new companies. We now have a real estate company in Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, Phoenix, and I think we just opened up in Atlanta. And I've never even been to the Atlanta office. I've been to the Phoenix office once. And how do you do this? Well, I have people that run all those operations. And that's being interdependent. I laugh all the time. I figured this out about 20 years ago. I don't have a key, not a key to any one of my apartment complexes or to any of my businesses. I don't have a code to get in the doors. I don't know the alarm codes. Say, Dell, why wouldn't you know your own alarm codes and have a key? Because if I have a key and know the alarm code, somebody might one day call me and say, Dell, will you open? Or someday somebody might say, Dell, could you close? I had an emergency. Could you go over and close? And my answer in both cases is no, I don't have a key and I don't know the codes. Somebody else has to open. Somebody else has to close. Figure it out. It's not me. Well, what if there's a fire? I'm not a fireman. Don't call me. Call the fire department. Well, what about getting it fixed? Call the insurance company. I don't have anything I do except go, wow, we had a fire. What did you do to fix it? You did that? Oh, oh, that's pretty smart. Okay, good. These are the things that you have to learn to mature. You have to learn to grow to the point where you trust other people and hire the right people, which becomes one of the most valuable skills you'll ever have, which is and knowledgeable things to do is to know that you have to take forever to hire and you have to instantly fire. Now, here even years. And unfortunately, not unlike Governor Ron DeSantis. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we have been watching this one coming in for days, and, well, looks like now it has. Yes, Hurricane Ian made landfall on the west coast of Florida on Wednesday as a powerful Category 4 storm, just shy of a Category 5, near Fort Myers, battering the peninsula with catastrophic storm surge, winds, and flooding. According to preliminary data, Ian's storm surge was at least 12 feet. It toppled high water records, particularly in Fort Myers and Naples. At least 2 million Floridians are without power, and that is likely to increase as the storm crawls across Florida. Some areas could remain without electricity for days or longer amid stifling heat and humidity. Floods also impacted several municipal water systems. The National Hurricane Center forecasts the slow-moving storm will bring more torrential rainfall and flooding over the next several days. Parts of Florida could receive as much as 30 inches 
inches of rain. States of emergency have already been declared by governors in Georgia, Virginia, and the Carolinas as Ian tracks northward. And the storm may also spawn tornadoes. That's a whole lot of explaining some of those Florida climate change deniers are going to have to come up with. 30 inches of rain? Yep. On top of breaking flood records, Ian also set a new record for rapid intensification so close to landfall. It broke the wind speed record for a storm this late in the calendar year, and it now ranks in the top five most intense hurricanes ever to make landfall in the United States. Rapid intensification, storm intensity, higher storm surge due to rising sea levels, all are linked to man-made global warming. Go figure. At the White House, President Biden pledged long-term federal assistance for the response and recovery. He also noted that the storm is not affecting gasoline production at refineries in the Gulf with a warning for oil and gas companies. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gas the American people. If gas companies try to use this storm to raise prices of the pump, I will ask officials to look into whether price gouging is going on. Recovery will be long and arduous for the state, with losses and damages projected to be in the billions. Florida's property insurance market was already unstable due to heavy losses from storms in previous years. At least 10 insurers in the state went bankrupt in the last year alone. So that'll fall on the taxpayers to have to cover those losses in that case? Most likely. Go figure. In other news, European leaders have accused Russia of sabotage in three massive ruptures that were observed on the two Nord Stream undersea natural gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea. An investigation is underway, but the EU leaders say Russia directly benefits from higher energy prices and economic disruption across Europe. Both pipelines were out of service as a consequence of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The leaks don't impact Europe's energy supplies, but are releasing massive amounts of climate warming methane into the atmosphere. They don't affect Europe's supply because Russia had already shut down those pipelines to Europe? Correct. And Europe has been finding their gas elsewhere in advance of winter. Indeed. Here in the U.S., the Forest Service has launched a criminal investigation into electric utility giant Pacific Gas and Electric and whether its equipment ignited the mosquito fire, California's biggest wildfire of 2022 so far. PG&E's decrepit equipment has been found responsible for sparking many deadly fires in the state over the last several years. And finally, in the nation's capital, Coal State Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia withdrew his very controversial legislation focused on permitting reform to speed up energy projects, both fossil and renewable, around the country. It was part of a side deal that Manchin had made with Senate leadership to secure his vote for the Inflation Reduction Act. The bill had split the Democratic caucus, was seen as a massive gift to the fossil fuel industry, but it was Republicans who ultimately ensured the demise of Manchin's bill, despite the huge boost to fossil fuels. Mm, Republicans, I'm starting to not trust those guys. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. 
Are you tired of Think Tank approved corporate news and commentary? Are you tired of CEOs telling you what to think, who to hate, and who to vote for? Well, welcome to the Rick Smith Show. We don't take orders from some boardroom, and we don't do focus groups or talking points. We don't work for them, and we never will. I'm Rick Smith, and I work for you. Join us daily at thericksmithshow.com and download the podcast and never miss a minute. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So Joe Manchin's predicting that the Democrats are going to hold the Senate in uh, the, the new term. He's predicting 5149. Uh, he says that uh, maybe Pennsylvania, maybe Ohio. He's leaning towards Ohio. Um, I, I wonder why. I like, I, I like Tim Ryan. I like Tim Ryan a lot. I like John Fetterman a lot. I I, I think I actually think that Fetterman's got a better shot of, of winning than, but we'll see. Uh, I would like to see them both win. I'd like to see Mandela Barnes win. Uh, there's a bunch of folks I'd like to see win. I'd like to see 55-45. That's where I would like to see, so we can make Joe Manchin totally irrelevant, uh, and and maybe send him home because he doesn't seem doesn't seem to mind. Uh, anyway, here to share some thoughts on the, the upcoming races and the top stories of the day. I've asked our good friend Max Burns to come talk with us. Max is a Democratic strategist, also a columnist over at the Daily Beast. Max, thanks for taking time, time for us. Thanks for having me. So what do you make of this? Uh, you know, Joe Manchin's thinking uh, 5149. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is certainly within the realm of possibility. I think the Economist poll now gives Democrats a four in five chance of holding the Senate. Uh, and there are certainly a whole roster of terrible Trump candidates out there that are just getting creamed. I mean, the RNC, I think, has stopped funding Blake Masters in Arizona. Dr. Oz is is toast. J.D. Vance, you know, being crazy didn't seem to help him. And Tim Ryan has has run a campaign that is pitch perfect for Ohio. I mean, we may not agree on much, but these aren't national races. And you have to appeal to your electorates. And Tim Ryan certainly does that. No, absolutely. And, you know, I look at the most recent Franklin and Marshall poll here in Pennsylvania out that has Fetterman up over Dr. Quack 47-43 and Shapiro beating the Nazi Mastriano 52-42. And I'm like, well, please let that be true. <laughs> please. Oh, I saw that Doug Mastriano just announced 40 days of prayer to save his campaign. You and might need fasting. a little bit more than that. And fasting. And I, I said, well, and, why don't you take that and walk into the woods with it and then don't come back? Yeah, I mean, that and 400,000 new registered voters might make a difference. But on its own, uh, all these candidates are in trouble. And they're, they're struggling, one, to outrun sort of the Trump hangover, and two, to outrun their own positions on abortion. I mean, they have scrubbed their websites. They've stopped talking about it. But these things keep popping up. Mastriano's comments from 2019 about wanting women to be charged with murder for having an abortion. These are things that aren't going away. And there is a deep well for Democrats to draw from uh, to let voters know that. Yeah, and, and I think they got to get their messaging straight. And I, I looked at uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom basically saying that, you know, how is it we're losing the messaging war when there's so much out there, especially on the crime front, as he accurately pointed out, red states much more dangerous than than most blue states. Yeah, I mean, the top five most dangerous states in the country are red states. It is it's no coincidence that the same people who are screaming about blue state chaos and how New York City is an anarchy republic 
are desperately trying to distract from their own problems. And there's no sign that they take that seriously. These Republican governors aren't interested in governing. They've defunded their own police in many cases, and, and they have nothing left but this distraction. And voters don't buy it. You can't spin your way out of clear problems of leadership like that. Now, I hope you're right, because, you know, they're running such bad campaigns. They've got on issue after issue uh, the wrong position or if they have a position at all. And yet I still have this this aching pit feeling in the pit of my stomach that they know something that the, not the rest of us don't, uh, that they're rigging this as we speak. And I hate thinking like that. But, you know, I look at Georgia, man, where they're, you know, they're, they're challenging thousands of people to try and get them purged off the rolls. They're, they're doing all kinds of shenanigans. This, this story out of Michigan where, you know, hey, you know, good Republican, you know, who knows what he was doing? And there is, uh, there is a note of caution. I mean, I think Joe Manchin is closer than more generous estimates. Because if you look at 2016-2020, there was polling error. Democrats underperformed their polls in both races. And that's, one, because MAGA Republicans are the most likely group to lie to pollsters of any group. And that there are also new voters coming into this that sway the election either way. So it is likely that there will be a narrower victory for Democrats than expected. But a few months ago, we were talking about how big Republican control of both houses would be. Yep. So I am more than happy to take a win on narrow grounds. And if Republicans take the House with five votes or five seats, I would love to see how they try to frame that as some red mandate to govern. Yeah, especially, you know, there's part of me that goes, maybe that's the best scenario. Let Give them a little bit of rope because they're going to hang themselves. Well, I, they, the all worry is they also hang the republic with them. I mean, as we've seen, they can't really be trusted with power. But the, the numbers are trending the right way. There's now roughly a one in three chance of Democrats holding the House. That's not bad. I mean, there's a lot of desire to be pessimistic about this, but there is also a lot of time left. And at the rate we're seeing these polls move, I'm still really optimistic. There's a lot of field here still to maneuver in. Yeah, and, and and look, in this moment, interestingly enough, you know, you know, like we like you said, six months ago we were talking about, you know, there's a there's a red wave coming, there's all this this negativity, the the Democrats, you know, Biden's polling ratings approval ratings were in the tank. Uh, but a couple a couple of good wins, legislative victories. Uh, some good policy to move us in a direction. This what's going on in the Supreme Court. Um, yeah, kind of turning that around. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are certainly exciting. I mean, we see in Kansas, almost 70% of all new voters in Kansas this year are women who came out to vote to protest the ban on abortion, the attempt to ban abortion there. Uh, we saw that there are 300,000 new Democratic voters in Texas that now gives them a 10-point advantage over Republicans in registered voters. The enthusiasm is there. It's up to the party to mobilize these voters and bring them out. Now, what do you say to Gavin Newsom, who's saying you know, they got to do better on messaging? Because I think we've had this conversation a bunch. Uh, I think Democrats have to get much, much sharper elbows. I think they've got to get in there and throw uh, much bigger punches and and do it from from a working class perspective. You know, stop with all of the the. Uh, the divisive stuff, and get on economic issues, get on how lives are getting better, how we're reshoring manufacturing, how we're investing in the future of this country. I think that's the path forward. 
Yeah, I mean, to some extent, it's a self-confidence issue. The Democrats have just not felt like they were going to win, and they've worn that on their sleeves. And now there's a little bit of confidence. You start to see Democrats talking about abortion, pushing back on this gas price inflation stuff and pointing out the prices are going down. Uh, they're more comfortable now talking about the legislation they've delivered. We need to do more of that. And Gavin Newsom, you know, I would love to have, have him play some kind of management role in directing funding or bringing in outside funding for this, because what we really need is to, to create these sort of messaging operations state by state. This cannot all be run from Washington. This will have to be done locally in a language that local voters feel is authentic from people they trust. And if, if Gavin has a plan, I mean, I am more than happy to hear him out. Yeah, I, I think it's important. But ultimately, uh, I keep getting this from a, a lot of, of women emailing me saying uh, it's it's going to be all about November. Yeah, I mean, I, I still believe that very firmly. All the things we've seen as these months have gone on since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, we've seen more and more and more enthusiasm. Uh, abortion as a top priority issue is up 14 points since last year. I mean, that is massive. We're talking about a Democratic Party that could not even say the word abortion for most of this year, even when they knew it was under threat. And now they're out full barrel pushing this and winning elections like Pat Ryan in New York. And it just takes a few of those to give Democrats the confidence to talk about it more. But to your point, I mean, that needs to be mixed with bread and butter issues because abortion is centrally important. But so is your ability to pay your mortgage. You know, so is your ability to know that your job was saved because of some of these spending packages Joe Biden passed. These all have to work together. No, oh, absolutely. And this is where I keep I come back to my original premise of, you know, Democrats have to be much bolder. They got to be much more progressive. They've got to actually do the stuff people want. I mean, this this Republican light stuff that we've seen over the years hasn't worked. Uh, it's it, it's. It's got, I think, gotten us in this place that we're in. So for me, I, I want bolder action. I want more progressive policy. I want to move in a direction that's going to actually make lives better. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to, what I'm starting to, to shout here, and I will through the rest of this race, is we need to fund state parties. Those state parties get that message out on the hyper-local level. The DNC is having some of its best fundraising cycles in history. But all that money is staying in Washington. Well, a lot of these state parties are in real financial trouble. And the best thing we can do is make sure those parties are strong, that they're registering and recruiting voters, that they're building benches and sending out mail and hitting the airwaves. That's how we put that message forward. Yeah, and, and you're fo funding local candidates because, again, uh, this all this stuff is going to revert back to the state houses and the state senate and the state legislatures. This is, you know, and then even further down, I mean, Republicans are drilling down in the school boards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now in Florida, especially school board races that were formerly nonpartisan, Governor DeSantis is proudly weighing in and electing conservative Republicans who don't believe that Tony Morrison should be read in schools. They, they don't believe that anatomy and biology should be taught. I mean, these are things that most people are not going to be aware of unless they are told about it on the local level by their local and state parties. And we need to make sure that that threat is really publicized because it is ground 
up authoritarianism here. Yeah. No, see, for me, like the other day, I talked about Biden's call to end childhood poverty in, in just eight years. That, to me, is the kind of bold vision that we need and the kind of action that we need to be be talking about and moving forward and something that calls us to be to be our better selves. Uh, look, they're going to be somebody who's against it. You know what? You leave them behind. But I think the vast majority of people can get on board with something like that. Yeah. And I mean, there are candidates, there are Republican candidates right now who earnestly say, drag queen bingo nights are more dangerous than AR-15s, as if people are being killed by mass glitterings or something. And and those candidates are winning. I, it, it would be, I would be more comfortable laughing if they were losing, but they're winning races. And it's because we simply are not educating voters uh, on how critical these school board races are. So, so is that drag queen bingo? Is that what you called it? Yeah. Right, drag queen bingos, drag queen story hours. I mean, if you look in Pflugerville, Texas, just last week, the Proud Boys and a bunch of far right groups were protesting a library for having a drag queen story hour, and they were threatening to beat and kill the drag queens and the librarians. And those are the people who are rallying uh, votes to elect Republicans on the local level. Those, I mean, that's incredibly dangerous. And for most Americans, they have no idea that's happening. Yeah, I, I saw some of the videos in that, and I, I was just, wow. I, I just kept going back to, wow. I mean, and, and but look, that, that could be my community. That could be just about anywhere with as crazy as, as things have gotten. Yeah, it, it's insane to say that it drag queens are scarring our children. What scars our children is walking out of a library and seeing 40 people with AR-15s fighting their parents and threatening to kill them. You know, we've become so numb almost to this, to these proud boys, to this far right lunacy, that we forget that this language leads to violence. And if we don't push back and start contesting these races, those people will be in charge of what our children learn. Scary, scary times. Last question I got for you. You know, I got to bring up Jenny Thomas. Um, evidently, she's still buying the big lie theory. Are you surprised by this? Are you surprised that she's sticking to her story and sticking to her guns since that's uh, all we heard today? Any any thoughts? Not at all. I mean, she believes it. She's a true believer. This isn't some Charlie Kirk, I want to raise money so I'll promote MAGA. She really believes that the election was stolen. She is is one of the most influential Republicans in Washington who is not an elected official. She's not some ground up person from from Florida who came to the Capitol and attacked it. She understands how politics works. She has the money to fund operations. And she's made no mystery out of the fact that she did it and she would do it again. I mean, we need to have her publicly testify as well so Americans can hear just how nuts she is. Yeah. No, and no, and I, I, I think Clarence Thomas should have to testify to see how nuts he's gotten. Clarence Thomas should have to go to therapy too. Uh, I, I, well, I'd like I'd like to see them move him along anyway. But Max, as always, great stuff. I appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks again. Our good friend Max Burns. Check out the work that he does over at the Daily Beast. We'll get links out on social media. I can take a look at that. Gonna take a quick break. Right back. Stick around.
you're a fan of the show, you've heard our Labor History in Two segments. And you can hear them on the radio pretty much anywhere in the U.S. Labor history has never been more important than it is right now. So here's what we'd like you to do. Tell a teacher. Tell a teacher that labor history is important and that they can get digestible two-minute lessons that are absolutely free. Free to download, free to use, free to share. Tell a teacher to go to therixsmithshow.com backslash history and help us put labor back where it belongs in the classroom. You know, generations of American workers fought, bled, and died to build the American way of life. It's our job to keep their stories alive. Go tell a teacher that we're here to help them do just that. Find us at therixsmithshow.com backslash history today. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. Got a couple of emails pushing back on the earlier conversation with, uh, with Kurt when he called in about, about his neighbor. You know, I wish we could get back to a place where, where you could, you, you, you weren't, you weren't judged solely on, on who you voted for in the last election. I really, I, I wish we could get back to that because I, I do remember those days. Uh, but you know, some of the folks have made some points that look, how do you, how do you support somebody who is a white supremacist? How do you support somebody who wants to destroy democracy? How do you support? And I get it. I completely get it. Uh, I do just, um, I, I, I want to get back to that place where, you know, where, where we, we can have, we can have, uh, you know, just conversations. Because I think that's the way that we find we find common ground, we find understanding, and we 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 get to move forward. And as I've been saying, I think the way forward in all of this is in the workplace. I think how we do this is we organize like like my grandparents did. You organize those workplaces, you fight for those better wages, hours, conditions. You find that common ground. Uh, you know, on, on on every issue, I think about over the years. Uh, the things that have popped up and how our union and the companies handled things and how the workforce handled things, it was never a big deal. You know, like I said, you know, recently, the transgender issue happened 30 years ago. Nobody cared. Why now? Well, because the moneyed interests are shoving it down our throats and telling you to be afraid of it, telling you to, to hate your neighbor. We got to push back. Let's go to the phone. It's got Alice on one. Alice, how are you today? I'm doing well. You know, um, I, too, have a very good neighbor, and we are complete polar opposites. I'm a Democrat. I'm not a Christian. They're evangelicals, and they voted for Trump. And as long as we don't talk religion... And we can discuss it. We can discuss religion. In fact, they've come to the point where they realize that my religion is not a threat to them. Um, but we try to stay away from politics. Some things we can talk about on a local level. And they're excellent neighbors. But I think the problem is, for the most part, with a lot of these extreme Republicans, I'm trying to be nice here, um, especially the Trump supporter ones, you can't have a conversation or find common ground with them 
because they're not really they're not living in the same reality as the rest of us. Yeah. No, the, the fives, you know, the fives you let go. You know, but there are there are the fours. Maybe you can make them threes. You know, there are threes. Maybe you can make them twos. I mean, at at some point, you know, we we've got to reach out and and pull back the folks we can help. The ones you can't, you're never you're never getting Jenny Thomas to come back to the fold. It's never going to happen. No, she she needs some help. And as for the drag queens, I have this much to say. I love drag queens. <laughs> I watch. I love them. I used to have a friend. That was a drag queen, and I would help. Um, I, I would buy him shoes and things like that if I would be out and see them in a, in a secondhand store. And I love watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And the only thing I have to say is, if anybody is going to stop this drag, the drag race stuff, and I do not get to watch my RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> we're going to have a serious issue. Because at 62 years of age, I think I can darn well watch what I want. But, you know, hey, these extremists, I'm tired of them. Uh, I just wish they'd all poof away. You know, sort of like Trump with his little magic poofing. Maybe they can, you know, (laughs) poof. How's that again? Magic poofing? (laughs) Yes. Magic poofing, you know. A zappy finger or something equally amusing. There you go. But have a good evening, Greg. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate the call. Poofing, magic poofing. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. That's it. Look, I, see, again, you know, we've had drag queens for forever. In fact, you know, I, I think my wife still has the picture of, you know, years ago. And it, it's been it's been a long time. We, we went to, I think it was Provincetown, uh, Massachusetts. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. AP News. I'm Ed Donahue. Hurricane Ian was at Category 1 when it reached land in South Carolina this afternoon.